Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Caffeinated Christian. Like always, I'm Ryan Willert and I'm here with Pastor Stephen Mannion and Pastor Mike Rigglesworth. And we have an incredible and special guest for you today. But before I introduce him, let us get a quick shout out to the coffee that we are drinking today. We are drinking Great Lakes Coffee. Great Lakes Coffee Roasters is located near the shores of East uh, Lake Erie in Western New York. They roast in small batches to ensure quality and consistency. Even though their operations is small, we aim to offer a healthy, they aim to offer a healthy variety of blends and single origin coffees. For more information, go to greatlakescoffee.com. Now I'm excited about our guest today and before he pops on. Extremely excited. Yeah, let me, let me give him a little shout out for uh, a great introduction for him. Today with us, we have Aaron Schust. Aaron is a chart-topping American contemporary Christian music artist. His love for music started at a young age, and it continued with his passion as he studied music theory in college. Afterwards, Aaron took up residency as a worship leader for, in a church in Georgia. It wasn't long from there that he uh, released his first album, Anything Worth Saying, in 2005, where his song, My Savior, My God, hit number one on the charts. One of my favorites. The great song. From there, he released many other wonderful albums, such as This Is What We Believe, to his most recent drop, Nothing Too Far. Currently, he lives in Nashville, Tennessee with his wife and three sons. Aaron continues to write and perform music which is inspired by God, God's creation, and God's word. You can check out Aaron's work at AaronShoes.com or go to iTunes and purchase his music. So please welcome singer, songwriter, Dove Award winner, family man, and disciple of Christ, Aaron. How you doing? Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was a really sweet intro. Oh, <laughs> One of the most important things about Aaron that you failed to mention is, uh, Aaron, I'm from uh, Bethel Park, Pennsylvania, South Hills of Pittsburgh, and Aaron, oh, there we go. Aaron is uh, a Pittsburgher himself. Awesome. So uh, before, he, yeah, before we get into important now. questions, let me ask you maybe the most important. Are you still a Steelers fan? Oh, Am I still a Stillers fan? Can you stop being a Stillers fan once you start? Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I, I tried to uh, I tried to channel my, my deepest Pittsburgh roots in that sentence. Yep. And at it's, like it's, a, it's a bold thing for Stephen because he's we're in Buffalo, so this is Buffalo Bills country right here. Ooh. But he's remained uh, steadfast. Yeah, of course, of course. We have not we have not converted him yet, and I don't know if we ever will. Nah. Hey, I have I have two good Buffalo um, fan friends who live here in town, and so uh, this was quite quite the year, quite the reversal of roles, and Buffalo's doing quite well this yeah. year. But it, it ain't over yet. It's not. It's true. Yep. I was surprised about this year how well I was. Doing. I was. Yep. I, I knew they were playoff like worthy this year, but I didn't realize they'd be like yeah. division leaders this year. Right. It's crazy. Right. Yep. It's crazy. But yeah, thanks you for coming on. We're really, really excited that you're here. So I, let us start off with a, kind of an introductory question, if I can. Can you, for those who don't know much about you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of give us a little um, example of your journey in the music career and uh, just uh, kind of introduce yourself for the first time hearers and listeners of who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll say this. You did a great job giving the little synopsis already. Um I will say that the, the new album, and unless this is a Buffalo accent coming through, uh, the new album's called Nothing to Fear, Not Nothing to Fire. But I'm not sure if you're Scottish. <laughs> oh, I'm no, Scottish I left out the E. That's my bad. Nothing to Fear, Nothing to Fire. Nothing yeah. to Fire. <laughs> nothing to Fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's funny. 
All good, man. All good. Hey, listen, I grew up in the church. I grew up going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And my mom was in charge of the music at our small little church. And so I spent the week in between those. You know, I, I remember before even school started spending the week with my mom before my I was the, I'm the oldest. So before my younger brother was born, spending the week with my mom as she'd get ready for you know, the upcoming church services and preparing the music and picking out the songs for the choir and the offertory. And every once in a while she would um, say, Hey, you're going to sing this week. And we'd, we'd go over a song and she'd put little three-year-old Aaron up on the stage. <laughs> and uh, what was your go-to? One of those little, uh, yeah. Right. Well, when in, when in need, use your kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it, uh, it I, I grew up with music and, and the Lord and mm. his word uh, just the two biggest parts of my life and um, moved to Georgia to go to college from, from Pittsburgh and studied uh, high school music education. So basically preparing to be a chorus teacher in high school. Um, but after graduating, took a job at a church in Atlanta as, instead as a worship leader. I I'd, like in between, I'd started this little band in college and just messed around with songwriting. And then some friends like this guy plays drums, this guy plays bass. Let's get together and we'll make some music. And we play at local coffee houses. And the only people who come are our friends, the same group who come every week. But it, it, was, it, it, was, it was a step toward the 10,000 hours of songwriting and song execution and stage presence. Um, when I took the job, we were, we were never going to make it, make it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some point in time, it, it came time to get a job. And <laughs> I, I took a job at a, at a church leading worships, which was pretty cool that I was kind of doing the same thing. But I, had to, I shifted my songwriting a little bit to, um, to not just writing songs about the Lord and about the spiritual journey, but songs directed to him. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what you do on Sunday morning. You right. you gather, you tell people to stand up, words go up on the screen, and you give them something to sing. And of course, we're doing hymns and cover songs that we all know, uh, but the, this songwriting itch hadn't gone away. Um, and so I started writing songs for the church and uh, recorded some of those songs in a friend's basement. And without trying to do anything, one thing led to another. I was just trying my best to to bloom where I was planted. I'm still to this day trying to bloom where I'm planted, Mm -hmm. trying to be content where I am, trying to be faithful with what God's given me, knowing that I, I've I've done it. I've done enough life to know you can plan, 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 but the Lord's going to direct your steps. Mm -hmm. Um, And what you plan isn't usually what ends up happening anyhow. So just trying to learn to be ready, ready for what God brings next. Nice. What? And along the way, had a got got married and had some kids, and nice life got wonderful and complicated <laughs> and beautiful and everything. Yeah. What was the background kind of genre that you grew up with? Because I know you said you sung in the church and your mom did the um, directing. I grew up with a, I love Southern gospel. I'm a big Gaithers and David Phelps and Mark Lowry fan, and I kind of grew up with hymns and that kind of genre. What, what did you What did you grow up with that influenced your? Music? I didn't. I didn't get into Southern gospel until I went to college in Georgia. Mm. And that was, that was uh, apparently a rite of passage that I was unfamiliar with. Mm. Um, but I grew <laughs> up listening to, uh, I think, I think somebody gave me a, a live Michael W. Smith, the live set album on cassette when I was maybe in sixth grade. And that was eye opening to me. And so I fell in love with Michael W. Smith. Um, and then later like Petra and mm. even yeah. Carmen, Carmen back in the Carmen, day. Was, Carmen. Carmen. Yes. And, Whiteheart, I like Whiteheart mm-hmm. a lot. One Bad Pig, they were Christian punk in, punk rock in high yep. school. Yep. 
Punk rock, yeah, that was. They did one of the most incredible versions of Isaiah Six, and it, it's screaming, it's it's screamo music, but it was like he's quoting Isaiah Six, and it was so passionate and so like I I, I cut many lawns to one bad pig, um, <laughs> and then when I took I took a job at this church in Atlanta leading worship, and I I wasn't really familiar with any modern worship songs, and so I got you know I cut my teeth on on people who were just a couple of years older than me, like Chris Tomlin and David Crowder mm. and, and fell in love with what sounded like it could be in the U2 genre. Like I, I couldn't, I have to, I have to mention U2 and, uh, and Bob Marley, probably those two influences in college, you know, between Ireland and Jamaica, which is like, <laughs> wow, this is incredible. Uh, and so I, I felt like, you know, the, the modern worship, yeah, as it's been compared to like the U2, the European sound of, of pop rock for years, uh, it just, it made sense. It was speaking my language. But when you sang uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Tomlin uh, songs, you had to drop it a half a step, right? More than that, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot sing any of his songs. I'm a baritone. I'm lost. Once the chorus hits, I'm yeah, over. Right. <laughs> Same here, man. You know, I read an article in, in some magazine, probably CCM or something like that, quite a few years ago where they were interviewing Chris and and he said, you know what, man, I sing in the range that fits that fits me. Yeah. And everybody should just change the key to what fits you. You know, mm-hmm. basically sure. we have capos. Right. 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 Yep. How did you end up uh get, getting uh discovered, so to speak, in the Christian music world? My uh my friend who built the studio in his basement, it was a pipe dream of his to build a studio. And um he played guitar, like acoustic guitar. I was third acoustic guitar you know i'm not even sure he was up in the mix but in, in the worship team he was acoustic three yeah. um but he was there every week and he was faithful and he was committed and he was prepared and on time his heart was huge and he said man i want to i want to build a studio and he and some of the songs that we've been doing for offertories and, and we're leading worship and, and um this is maybe around the year 2002 three um and he's like who wrote this song this is my song i wrote i'm just trying it out he's like well, let's record some of these hmm. so we got together we did that and the goal a, the goal was to give a copy to my mom because she was like, I want some music. You're writing these songs out. So I like, let's make a copy. I'll send it to my mom and then she'll be happy. And then secondly, the thought was, well, let's make a couple. Like it, sound, it started sounding good, like good, good players, good producer. It started sounding really good. And the thought was, let's um, let's put this in the bookstore. We'll sell them in, in the bookstore. And so that's what we did. We made 2000 copies, which scared me to death. Like, how am I ever going to sell these? And uh, while we, while I was just going about my work and preparing for the next week's worship set and whatever my tasks were for the week, um, the Mike, the guy who built the studio, and Dan, the producer, were beautifully going behind my back and shopping it for me without my knowledge, hmm. which I think is just a fantastic way to go about it because I'm sure there were many rejection letters. I just didn't know about <laughs> any of them. Um, and so when we got the news that there was this record label in Atlanta named Brash that was interested in signing me, um, they called me with some good news. I'm like, oh, that's how about that? Never, never thought of that. Um, who are these guys? We're like, well, they're not believers. And so I did some investigation. I'm like, man, this is interesting. They're not believers. And I, I asked the question, what if we sent this um, this album to some of the record labels in Nashville, the, the Christian labels? Maybe they'd be interested. And that's when they told me, I'm like, well, actually, we've been doing that for a while, and nobody's interested. I'm like, well, brash sounds fantastic. Yeah. Let's go with them. <laughs> And so thus began a five-year, um, three-album relationship with uh, some people that became dear to me. 
And I had an opportunity to live life with them and just do my best to love them with the love of Jesus. Um, and then in 2010, we, uh, we moved to a Christian, a Christian label in Nashville, Centricity, and I was with them for, uh, what's the math, eight years and made five albums with them. Nice. Wow. Cool. Well, I, um, I was in, I used to work at a mega church in Pittsburgh uh, in maintenance, don't, n- n- nothing spectacular. And, uh, but th- it was a big church that hosted many, you know, concerts of, of pretty big stars, uh, you know, Man- Mandisa, the Newsboys, um, you know, a lot of big concerts. And, and I was talking to the producer, and you came up in this conversation, by the way. I was talking to the uh, producer, and I was curious. I was like, are there... Are there uh, people in the Christian music world who you think are in it for the money or because they couldn't make it in secular or whatever, and, and they're trying to just make a name for themselves? And, he, and he, he said to me, Steve, he said, sometimes it's bad. And he told me that, and he said, but I asked him, I said, well, can you tell me some people who are, who are um, not like that, who really have the right heart. And, are, and he immediately mentioned Michael W. Smith. He said that Michael W. Smith, his, his heart is, is totally in the right place. And I've been to Michael W. Smith concerts and I've been to yours. And with both of you, I feel the Holy Spirit present in the room. And, um, and he said you, he said Aaron Schust. And um, uh, I, th- I think he mentioned Laura Story. And a few others, and and really talked about their hearts being uh, just really for the glory of God, and not for the glory of Aaron Schust, not for the glory of Michael W. Smith. But the question uh, that we wanted to ask you, and we talked about this with talking to you, is: Is it hard? Do you feel that pull whenever you're in, in fame and you're getting people cheering for you, and they and do you feel that pull to have be about Aaron Schust? And um, is it hard? And, and, and as a follow-up to that, um, how do you combat that? How do you maintain a um, God-glory mindset as opposed to a my-glory mindset yeah. in the face of Christian music fame? That is such an important question. First of all, I'm super glad to hear that that's the rumor mill that made it to your ears about my, about my heart and my concert. That's what I want that's what I want. And it, it's a struggle, man, in this, in this world of Christian, Christian music. Uh, um, I don't want to rabbit trail too much, but it's a fascinating topic that could probably take hours, if not days. to. You know, we'd never get to the end of it, I'm sure. But I, I remember having a conversation with some, some old school Christian musicians who uh, were touring in the 80s. And this was just a couple of years ago. And they were wrestling with the concept of how do you charge tickets for a worship night? Hmm. That was the that was the topic in the car. It was it, it wasn't they weren't being combative. They were just saying, "I have feelings about this. How do you how do you do this?" And I'm like, "That's that's really interesting because it's I mean, you, you go back twenty, I guess more than that, thirty years. The concerts that we talk about, the concerts that we went to in the '80s and the '90s, they were they they weren't. And at least the ones I went to, they weren't worship concerts. They were concerts. They were, it was, whether it was pop, it was rock and roll. There were songs about, I mean, I'm thinking about Michael W. Smith. I went to his eye to eye concert in Pittsburgh, at the Syria mosque before they tore it down. Margaret Becker opened one of my favorite songs is secret ambition. Mm, I, I still I have it song. on a Saturday morning playlist yeah. every week. Nobody knew his secret ambition. Nobody knew his claim to fame. Yeah. He broke the old rules steeped in tradition. He tore the Holy veil away talking about Jesus. It's incredible. Um, 
but it feels like a concert. I, it never once rubbed me the wrong way that I dropped some money, got tickets, went to the Syrian mosque, got in my seats and enjoyed a concert. It, it didn't feel icky. There's something about coming together and calling it a worship experience that it begins to feel icky that we're charging money because we get the same experience, sometimes even better on a Sunday morning for free. Right. So it's really interesting. Um, maybe more directly to your question, um, man, I, I live with myself. I, I don't think I'm so great. Um, I, my, my wife and my kids, they don't need to remind me that I'm not so great. I live with them. And, I, and the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart and says, Aaron, this is not, you're not acting in accordance to my, to my spirit. And I, and I was even just writing my journal today. I mean, kindness and patience and gentleness, these need to be at the forefront of who I am as a father, as a husband as a son, as a brother, as a friend, as an uncle, uh, as a personality on social media, um, as a person on stage, as a person, here you go, backstage. Mm, I mean, th- this right. stuff, this stuff matters. As mm-hmm. a, here's another one. Um, in the, in the grocery store line, you know, when the person in front of me is taking a little longer than I think they should, <laughs> how, how am I acting then? How do I act in my hometown versus how I act in a, in a place where I feel like I'm anonymous and I'm not, I'm not thinking these things like, hmm, I'm anonymous right now. No one's recognizing me, so I can be a jerk and get away with it. I'm not thinking that, but just the, the, the flesh, the human nature just slips right in, and it's so easy to be selfish. Um, I'm constantly reminded of that. Um, and, and I would say in addition to that, the, um, the, the naysayers are louder than the, 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 the praise. You know, I'm just thinking about social media comments or emails that come in. I could get a hundred good comments and that one bad comment just floors me, mm-hmm. just knocks me out. And, and I'm a people pleaser. I got a comment yesterday that I, I, I fought to respond to. I fought, I fought to not respond. I'm like, you know what? I could jump in right now and in the name of Christ-like love, have a lively discussion with this person. <laughs> or let it go. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's constantly a struggle. Um, I need to go back to the source. I need to find my self-esteem and my identity and who I am as a child of God, loved by God, chosen by God. Um, that's that's what I always need to go back to. Yeah, that's good. Listen, listening to your music, I was actually listening it, listening to it all morning um, just to get freshed up on. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was in, it was great. In, yeah, including the No Far in the, album, <laughs> No Far album. That was Nothing my far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, just one one of the things that I personally think has been missing through um, music in worship, which you I think do really well, is stay grounded theologically, and so. That comes from uh, being in my life. I know trying to stay ground uh, theologically comes from a specific routine of praying and being in the Bible. What is your typical routine that you prepare yourself with before you even try to start writing a song? Do you have well, something you like it, that? It's the it's the it's the Bible. It's it's a constant. Um, it's not so cut and dry. Like at eight o'clock, I will read the Bible, and okay. at nine o'clock, I will write a song. Um, it. I, there's a balance to be had between um, exercising the muscle of whatever creative process you're in. In other words, even when you don't feel inspired, sometimes you just have to do the thing. Right. That being said, 
I want, I feel like it's critical that my input is greater than my output. Um, and what that means is, and maybe you do break it down to hours and minutes, but if I'm going to spend two, for example, two hours a day writing music or on social media, contributing with a post, saying things, singing things, leading worship in concert or leading worship on YouTube mm. or whatever it is. Um, and I'm not, I don't want to get so nitpicky that I'm, I just want in as a general rule, I want to spend more time in preparation. And by preparation, I don't mean practicing my chords. I mean, like on my face in prayer, opening mm. the word of God before I hop on with I mean, today, uh, before I hopped on with you, I wanted to make sure I didn't just crash through the morning, do some fun things and hop on with you. I spent time in the word and, and it, it's, I, I want to be able to say that I do that because you, none of us know what's going to like, what's going to come up when we need to be prepared to, to give an answer for the hope that we mm, have. Right. Um, I knew that at 1 PM central, I needed to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that I have with you on this right. podcast. So there's like, hey, I need to be prepared. So I spent time in prayer. I spent time in the Word. I'm I'm trying because it's January. I'm trying to read through the Bible again. So I made it to Genesis 18, I think, today. Um, doing about three chapters a day. But I also read some Proverbs. I remember hearing a while ago that, that Billy Graham read three Proverbs and one Psalm. No, I'm sorry, other way around. Three Psalms and one Proverb every day. I'm like, there is nothing wrong with that. That's a great way to start. You get the wisdom. You get the, the worship. And that's a great way to start. Um, but I'm also reading a book by Jeremy Riddle. You familiar with Jeremy Riddle? Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm, not. I, I'm, I'm familiar with him. Yep. Yeah, Man, good. what a what a mind. What a, what a guy. I met him um, at the, what is it called? The Gospel, Gospel Music Association GMA Week um, about 15 years ago. What was that book and, called uh, uh, for our listeners, Aaron? The, the Reset. The Reset. The okay. Reset. Subtitle, Returning to the Heart of Worship and a Life of Undivided Devotion. Mm. Um, and he served out with Bethel Music for quite a few years as a, as a worship pastor out there. And then he moved back down to Southern California, back to his little church, his vineyard church where he grew up. And he's uh, leading the ministry there. But just um, a lot of wisdom. And he's speaking the truth, man, you know, about getting back to the, the core of what we do and why we do it. And if this is for a second about our own glory, we are on the wrong page. Mm -hmm. We are on the wrong page. This is for the glory of God. And I heard uh, Louis Giglio a long time ago described the glory of God as positive attention. You know, God's glory, positive attention to God. Uh, to God. Um, it's, it's an interesting word, glory. You know, I, I've heard someone else say it's, it's, the, it's what emanates from God. Like a light bulb creates light and the campfire creates heat. And God creates glory. I like that as well. Right. But we want to we want to draw attention, positive attention to all that God is and God's characteristics. And I, I love to think of them as encapsulated by the fruit of the spirit. These are things that we could have demonstrated the, the evidence of the spirit in us. Love, joy, peace, et cetera. We know the list. This is this is descriptions of who God is. Um, which is way better than who I am. So I can spend time on social media saying, hey, look at me. Um, and it's it's weird when I do hop on social media because part of me wants to, like, how do I do this without broadcasting myself? Maybe you guys struggle with this as well. How do I advertise this podcast without making it look like I'm trying to glorify myself? You're doing what you feel called to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And while we're doing it, we're pointing to the glory of God. 
Yeah, and you touched on something that's uh, a common struggle for Christian celebrities, and it's also a common struggle for for pastors. Whether you have ten eyes on you, a thousand eyes, ten thousand eyes, there are people looking to you as a model and as an example. Uh, so, kind of kind of thinking on those terms, you're you're a family man. You have a wife. You have children. Um, how has your Christian celebrity status, uh, for lack of better words, um, how has that impacted them for for good mm, or for, for bad? I hope not. I hope not much. And yeah, I, I, I like your disclaimer for lack of better words because that is a that's an icky that's an icky <laughs> moniker. Yeah, you know, celebrity cr- Christian yeah. celebrity. Yep. Um, I don't that. My my wife has a term she calls professional Christians, you know, <laughs> Christians who um, make a living out of doing it, you know, and you make right. it makes me think of Paul and he loved to be able to, while he gave permission for people who are in ministry to receive financial benefits from the people they're ministering to, he said, however, I have never asked for anything so that I, so that I. I don't want to put words in his mouth because I, <laughs> I don't have it pulled up in front of me here. I don't want to misquote because the word of God is so important. I don't want to misquote him. But as I understand the passage, he's saying, I've, you know, I've, I've continued to make the tents. Right. I've continued mm-hmm. to provide my own way so that I could never say, I depend on you. I need you. Um, I don't want to have to be indebted to you in that way. Um, I forgot where I was going with that whole, that whole talk. I'm getting in a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> you were asking about the oh family, oh the professional yeah. Christians. Yeah. yeah, so the people who who do that professionally, uh, it's it's you got to be careful with that. And and my wife works for a church. She's a uh, she's the the women's and children's pastor at a church here in town. Um, and it's it's a privilege. It really is. I I feel so privileged and honored and responsible to to be ministering, um, whether on on stage or whether it's at home. I wrote a little song this morning and I'm always thinking this is more than just for my personal benefit. I was just reading through Proverbs chapter three. Um, I've got a different song stuck in my head, but as I was, as I was reading this passage and I've read it a few times this year already, I'm like, what a fantastic verse. It's after the famous one in, in uh, verse five and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Mm-hmm. Lean not on, I mean, everyone knows that one, but verse seven and eight, uh, don't be conceited about your own wisdom, but fear Adonai, the Lord, and turn from evil. This will bring health to your body and give strength to your bones. I'm like, what a what a fantastic secret that holistic <laughs> wow. doctors would, should be on board with. Right. <laughs> fear Adonai and turn from evil. This will bring health to your body and give strength to your bones. Um, I've heard someone say, when in doubt, when you're reading the scripture, take it uh, literally, not figuratively. Right, if you're like, right. oh, is he being poetic here? When in doubt, it's literal. Um, this will bring health to your body and strength to your bones. And I, I threw my back out Christmas Eve morning, spent oh. Christmas day laying sideways on the couch, just not able to move, feeling like I was 95 years old, going like, what in the world? And so when I read this first of the year, I'm like, you know what? I could use some increased health to my bones. Fear the Lord, turn from evil. And this is something, this is advice we all need, you know, respecting, fearing the Lord. I'm getting away from your questions. I apologize. Oh, it's all right. Uh, no, that's fine. I got, I got three boys, two, the two older ones that go to a Christian school. I feel that we all have the, 
we all feel the the beautiful weight and responsibility of of representing Jesus and representing the Christian faith um, in public. I mean, the first time I, I got hired at a at the, that church in in um, in Georgia, I was 24 years old. Someone, uh, I mean, I've been I've been leading worship for two weeks, and someone cut cut me off in traffic, and I I gave him a little toot toot on the horn. <laughs> and I thought, and they're right in front of me. And I, and then I'm thinking, Hmm, I'm parked right next to the church. I live right next to the church. It's Atlanta. There's a ton of traffic. This person could be looking in the rearview mirror right now and recognizing me as the new hired worship leader. And I just gave him some, some friendly, friendly love with my horn. <laughs> How do I feel about that? I feel pretty awful, you know, and, and even going back further than that, I, it's, it's, it's been a pattern in life, man, that I, I, like I said, since I was three, I've been up on stage singing about God's goodness and God's love and God's grace, mercy, and and aware that how I act in between those performances reflects on whether I'm a fake or not. Right. And that's right. that's that's heavy to me, man. You know, and right. I think my my wife feels that weight, and it's good. It's constantly refocusing. It's constantly refocusing. My kids feel it too, and we tell them like, listen, you represent the Schust family. You represent Jesus and how you right. act reflects on us. Mm-hmm. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I, I, in this conversation, I hear, um, humility in, in your voice. Just, uh, um, that's something that you don't see a lot in to use your term professional Christians. And there's mm-hmm. been, um, there's been a bit of a reckoning in the church with whether it's mega church pastors or it's, uh, worship leaders, like I don't know if you followed any of the stuff that's happened in social media. Uh, I think this was pre-coronavirus, but the one of the worship leaders through Hillsong, the uh, the lead singer of mm-hmm. uh, Hawk Nelson, a lot of big name mm-hmm. Christian celebrities in the music world and in the pastoring world, yeah. uh, pretty much denounced uh, Orthodox Christian belief, and so. Uh, as somebody who spent some time in that world, uh, what are some of your initial thoughts and and feelings on that? I've known some of those people. Um, not deep relationships, but I would say, you know, professional acquaintances. Mm-hmm. We end up in the same festivals every once in a while in the same places. And um, I've always said when it comes to salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And I've been singing for a long time. I'm not skilled to understand what God has willed or what God has planned. Um, There's a lot of freedom in saying, I don't have it all figured out. But there are some bedrock principles and theologies that I stand on, Um, which is why in 2010, you mentioned the the album. I wrote the the album, This Is What We Believe. Um, And it was just... Uh, titles for my albums have always come later. It's it's I, an album is kind of like a time capsule of all the songs, the best songs that you wrote over the last couple of years. And then you look back and go, hmm, what was the theme? And that seemed to be a, a season where I stood very strong on this is what we believe. This is who God is. This is our relationship to him. This is what he's done. This is, I mean, complicated, difficult to understand, hard to argue. Doesn't matter. I, I, Sola Scriptura. I believe that what what the what the Scripture says is truth. When someone when someone falls, 
when someone denounces everything they believe, let me, let me well, that's two different things. When someone denounces everything that I believe, it, it makes me simply, simply wonder. And I don't, that's not a euphemism. I simply am curious. I wonder what they ever believed in the first place or whether they just said things because it was the, uh, they were toeing the line with the, with what you say. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be really careful about what I say. I believe because I want to be able to back it up. Uh, and yet I also know that faith is not the same thing as reason and logic. I was just reading in the story of Abraham today, as I'm reading through Genesis, Abraham believed when God said some crazy stuff, Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Wow. And uh, that's well, the author of Hebrews brings that back up again. Yeah. Paul, the Romans. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, um, it's, it's sad to me. I take it as a, uh, as a, as a warning. Um, this is, this is, this is kind of, this is recent news. It was, uh, I think it was ESPN or some, some CBS, someone was interviewing Trevor Lawrence, that potential, did he win the Heisman? They have a Heisman trophy winner yet. The, the, the quarterback from Clemson, long hair. I believe so. Oh yeah. What's yeah. his name? Mm-hmm. It's Trevor Lawrence with Clemson. Yes. Yeah, someone okay, was yeah, interviewing right. him. Uh, and it was a Zoom thing, kind of like this. And so he's got the headphones on, and he's ready. And and the interviewer didn't realize that they were un that they were unmuted, and said, "Hmm, poor Trevor needs to shave his mustache." <laughs> Out loud on the interview, and he just kind of looked to the left, looked to the right, laughed, and said, "Um, thanks." And I was talking to my wife about that, and I'm like, and, and to the to the credit of social media, they never named that poor interviewer. I'm not sure if she still has her job, but. I thought, you know, what's interesting. Maybe everybody thought that, and and she she's under the gun, this person, um, because the world heard what she thought because she said it out loud. The reason that she's an under fire is because she made the mistake of pressing unmute, not because of what she said, because everyone's probably saying stuff like mm. that. We all say stuff. I have conversations with my wife that I thought, you know what. This is my wife, and I'm a, I'm able to have a safe conversation with her. But God forbid some some telephone in the room were open and recording. I might regret. I might say hit delete on that thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that brings up the idea of integrity. You know, who am I right now? Who am I ten minutes from now? Is it the same? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the people who have had a, a falling out, they're they're guilty of sin, and so am I. They were caught. And that changes things. I'm not justifying. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been, but um, I, I certainly don't have a self righteous attitude. It, it it puts the fear of God in me. That's what it does. Right. Yeah. He who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have a question for you. It's gonna. It's. I, I'm gonna say it very broadly, and I know how deep this can go. But one of the things I love to do in my work, I do apologetics and I like to work with systems and kind of figure that out. And I know with worship music, um, a lot of people who write music have a system or a theology when it comes to what they think worship music should be. Can you give us a little insight on your theology of music and worship? I know you're talking about giving glory to God, but um, a little ancillary points too. Well, I mean, I've, I've, I've done some, some degree of world traveling and even within the country. And it's, it's amazing to see how uh, diverse the styles can be. Um, to me, I want 
I want the style to the style, and I'm talking about the style of music. So we're talking instrumentation, speed, volume, whatever, whatever floats your boat and sinks your boat, all that stuff. Um, I want that to to speak to me uh, in the moment, but that doesn't mean I can't appreciate when something very different and I'll even say distracting is happening to me. But I look around and I see the whole place is just engaged in it. Now, here comes the question, engaged in what? Mm. What does it mean? Are they engaged in the music? Are they engaged in the style? Or are they literally able to be engaged with the worship of the living God? Because if they're not, now we're talking about worship here. We're not talking about secret ambition. Okay. Right. I love secret ambition and all the songs like it, but you know, one, one of the, one of the definitions of um, that you see popping up in Psalms is the word masculine or masculine mm-hmm. uh, Hebrew. It's a teaching song. So some are worship, you know, you know, great are you God, great are you Lord. And some are like the Lord is this, the Lord is good. The Lord. So it's, it's teaching, it's educational. So there's, there's, there's worship where you are proclaiming, God's greatness. And then there are songs that we sing to exhort each other and, and spur each other on to truth and depth and, and reminding ourselves of who God is. So I, I want to say, um, like if I had between those two style and, and content, content wins every time. It, it has to. It has to. It's not like, man, this song is just beautiful. Lyrics are awful, but mm-hmm. the song is beautiful. Let's play it. <laughs> like, no, yeah. by all means, let's not. <laughs> yeah, we did a podcast on this, and one of the points I brought up was yeah. the need for edification within the music that we play at the church rather than just, like, lights and sound. It might sound pretty, but if you're going to say some incredibly wrong theology, I think that needs to be, like, thrown away, even if it sounds pretty. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come mm. longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your mm-hmm. heart, capital Y, mm-hmm. pointing up his heart, um, getting back to that heart of worship. Uh, what a fantastic song, Matt Redman, I'm quoting right there. Um, and I, I've always dreamed of, oh, man, doing worship sets behind a closed curtain where no one sees the performers, mm. you know, lyrics are on the screen. Like let's, let's eliminate. The, yeah. Is it weird? Is it awkward? Maybe, but kind of like the voice. If it gets a, mm. if it gets a point into our heart, then mission yeah. accomplished. I suggest that li- to my worship we, director. See how that works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> see how, I mean, but what's interesting is what would that unveil? Would that right. unveil no way right. that, you know, I mean, you could seriously, they could come in their pajamas if they wanted to. <laughs> And, and, you know, the skinny jeans aren't necessary that day. Be right. comfortable. Come because no one's going to see you anyhow, except right. for the Lord. Right. And he's looking at your heart. Yep. Um, I've, like, what would it mean? Now, granted, sing to the Lord a new song. We, we want it, music, I believe, is uh, in, instituted by God, invented by God. Uh, the angels sang at creation. They sang it at the incarnation. They, they'll sing again at the end of time. I'm sure they're, uh, well, the, 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 the four living creatures constantly singing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or at least saying holy, holy, holy. Um, but what if we just, what if we picked a, a hymn or a chorus and are we willing to speak the truth and, and not, like, what if the lyrics went up on the screen? Will everyone please stand. Uh, we have no band today. I'm not going to sing, but let's all quote the lyrics to Oceans. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm game. What, what's that feel like? Right. You know, first of all, I'm going to really miss singing. And next week I'm going to be like, oh, can we sing again this week? Because I love to sing. Right. I wouldn't take it for granted. It would be like putting yourself, it's like a fast. Yep. What if we did a fast, <laughs> hmm. a music fast? 
And I think it would really reveal the the depth or lack thereof of our of the songs that we put in our rotations every week. Yeah. Um, and let's not just allocate this to Sunday morning. What about what we listen to on our radio in our car? Amen. Um, so. Well, if you, if you ever did that behind the curtain thing, you can call it Aaron Schust unplugged and unseen. <laughs> there you go. Oh my word! I'm sure it would bring up all new problems. I'm not suggesting that as a fix to things, but I just I think like like uh, theoretically, hypothetically, what would, what kind of questions would that bring up? What kind of issues would that bring up in our hearts? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. you know, I mean, like like whenever you're on stage, uh, I mean, I'm not a, I mean, I sing, but I'm not a music, you know, a, a musician like like you, but I'm a pastor, so I mean. Anytime you're up on stage and you're and you're the one that's the focus, there's always that like, you know, what I mean, Mike's a pastor, too. There's always that. Uh, I'm sure it's the same with with you. There's always that um, you catch yourself. Uh, it's, it's hard to keep your your heart and your mind focused on why you're there, because you always get that a little bit of that. I don't know. It's vanity or coming upon you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, yeah. Because you're the yeah, main focus. They got a microphone in my mouth. They got a spotlight on my face. Lord willing, they have some reverb in the mix in the house. <laughs> you know, I'm really, really wanting to come across good because that's just in my, it's in, it's in human nature. You want to come across as pleasing, mm-hmm. not distracting. And the same, but it's, this is the tension that we live in as humans and as worship leaders and as believers. And I'm saying, hey, follow me. So I don't want to be distracting. Um, one way or the other, you know, um, I, I, I love, I really do. I love the fact that my voice, I can't do anything fancy or acrobatic. I, I'm just praying to stay on pitch when I sing (laughs) truly. Um, and if I can, if I can stay on pitch, I'm thinking, okay, that can be something that doesn't distract people. I, I want to, here, here's what I know. Some of the most powerful moments that I've experienced when I'm leading on stage are when I lose my voice, when I get so wrapped up in the emotion of the truth of what I'm singing that I blubber like a baby. Mm-hmm. My pitch goes all over the place. And then I can't even sing for about a minute. And I just have the people and that the people sing louder. They, they, mm-hmm. they fill in the gap, you know, those are by far the most powerful moments when I get wow. choked up. Now I will never fake that, but I mean, there are, there are times that I walked away from concerts going, that was the most powerful Holy spirit moment I ever had. And I have laryngitis. <laughs> Maybe I should lose mm-hmm. my voice next week too. <laughs> no, of course I want to bring my best. I right. want to bring my best. But in my weakness is when God has shown up time and time again in his strength. Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. So I have a question for you, and I this is this might take a little turn from where we were going with, but there's this famous cool. video on YouTube that discusses like it's almost like our sarcastic example of what the Christian music industry is like when the guy holds up a binder, he's like, We gotta we have to reject the song because God hasn't been said fifteen times or Amen. It's in a conference room. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's in a conference yeah. room. Yeah, I'm really interested it. to hear your take on what the Christian music industry is like. Is that a correct view? And I'm, I'm granted, it's not a universal thing. I know it's sarcastic and, and trying to be funny, but do you, do you 
ever experienced that? And do you ever get pushback like, hey, this is my lyric? I don't want someone else to enter words that weren't involved with the spirit writing these things for the sake of keeping the integrity of what I think God was telling me. Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, the concept of collaboration, because there are times that I've, I've, I've had songs. Uh, this goes two different ways. I've written songs uh, in my own personal quiet time, which is where most of them begin. And sometimes um, when I bring them to other people, they change. Some, it, it's, it's all about choosing what hill you die on. And mm. we'll get back to that video in a second. Um, because there are, there are times that I've fought for something that I felt was right. But the, either the one person or two, if the consensus, if I'm in the minority, it, it all depends. Like, you know, listen, I really don't want to change this word because this word is scripture. And I know this word rhymes better, but this one's scripture. And I think there's value in quoting the mm. word of God as I opposed like to finding the clever or right. even maybe it's not about a rhyme. It's about the fresh way to say it. I'm all about fresh way to say things. But some, but if the fresh way to say it is just the way to change what scripture is, now I, again, I also know it's English and it's it's not the original Hebrew or it's just a translation. So there's there's flexibility. Um, there, th- this is for better or for worse. Uh, an industry that we're in right now. It's a business where transactions are made. That's what I was talking about earlier when I was talking with the, uh, the, the older guard. Um, and they were, um, man, just the, uh, the, you know, it's the second time I've lost my thought. I'm going to take that as a, as an indication from the spirit that I'm not supposed to talk about that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> or you just need more coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I need, no, man, that, this French press is getting me jittery. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> Um, the, uh, it, it is, it is an industry, um, and, and transactions are made and to pretend that it's simply a, like a nonprofit ministry, it's, man, it's, it's more, it's more difficult to me, I would think to try to incorporate business into a ministry than it is for ministry to fit into a business. I'm not even sure I stand by that statement. Right. But I, I run as an LLC. I'm Schust Music LLC. I'm a business. I pay taxes. And in every decision I make, I know that I'm going to stand before the Lord one day and, yeah. and be held accountable. Yeah. Um, and that's the way I, that, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I am, I am giving away my music for 99 cents a download. That's, it's, it's a business. Mm-hmm. Now, I get that there's streaming and stuff, whatever. It's, it's complicated and I can't even figure it out. But it's a business. Um, so if someone wants to say, Hey man, especially a record label, if they're like, Hey, we're willing to put this album, this song on your album, but we really don't like this chorus. Like, okay. I need to be willing to have that conversation. And it's a conversation, you know, it's not, I don't just fold. And sometimes their answers are absolutely right. And I have some of the best songs I've that have my name on it come because of collaboration Mm -hmm. where I sat down with somebody and they said, man, I appreciate that you wrote this. Well, what would you think if we changed these verses to something better? Like, well, let me know what you're thinking. And sometimes I come back and be like, that is so much better. And sometimes like, no, this, this is the message that God's laid on my heart. And I can tell you, listen, I've been an independent artist now for coming up on two years. Is that right? Uh, so nothing to fear was my first uh, album that I released independently. Uh, and even a song before that Zion was a single that I released independently, not a worship song, but a song that's just based off of the scriptures of the promises in the Old Testament that God made to Abraham and his descendants forever. 
It's a whole song about that. So not your average song that I had written. But I wonder, like, I would have had so much pushback, I think, um, if I didn't have the freedom to just be like, God laid this song on my heart and I'm going to record it because I believe it's the message. And, um, and uh, so who knows? Maybe, maybe millions of copies would have been sold uh, if I had collaborated, but I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have believed in it as much. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a game as was displayed in that video. Um, unlike most of my friends, I did not laugh at that video. Uh, it, it grieved my heart. Hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a little on the nose. Interesting. It's, okay. it's, it's, ac- it's accurate. Um, and, uh, but I did not find it funny. I found it. Uh, I think a lot of the people who found it funny were the haters who just love to hate the Christian music industry. And I don't hate the Christian music industry. Um, a lot of great people who are trying to glorify God to the best of their ability. Um, I've, I've been in it. And when I, when I, when I got into it in 2005, I was afraid of meeting some of my heroes and being disappointed. And I could, mm. I could testify that on the whole, I, I was greatly pleased by the hearts that were revealed um, of, of my heroes. Michael W. Smith, uh, we mentioned earlier, DC Talk, these guys, it is beautiful, beautiful people who love the Lord. Awesome. Mm. Yeah, that's actually personally shocking. I didn't know that was more on the nose then. Right. I thought it was just going to be like a, a comedy thing that was so off kilter. You know right, what I mean? Like right. that it was just trying to be mm-hmm. sarcastic. Wow, that's man. I've been I've been yeah. to the those. Um, that's new the, to me. What are they mm-hmm. called? Uh, songwriting session workshops where you know you get a bunch of songwriters from town or from all over the country, sometimes all over the world, and you get into a cabin for a few days. Um, and yet there's usually a church or a record label or a project that's, there's a, there's a mission, there's a trajectory in mind, which is good. It's good to have a direction. Um, but I've heard the sentence, um, no mention of water, mountains, valleys, chains, can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like these are, wow. and, 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 and it's, I'll, I'll give them credit. The, the reason for saying that is pure. They're afraid that we're saying these words too much. Right. You know, some of the big critiques like, oh, man, every every new Christian song has to do with mountains and valleys and chains being broken and water. And so their response is, let's do something different. Let's be creative. Let's not do the old tired. But I can't tell you how many times I'm thinking. Oh, I want to I want to talk about this. Yeah, that's I want to quote say. scripture. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> what I right. and I'm not allowed to say it. Man. No, the truth is I am allowed to say it, um, even though I've been warned not to. So, <laughs> you know, uh, you got to be true to your heart. Yeah, I really respect that. Like, even though you don't, everyone's against mm-hmm. me, but I know this is what's laid on my heart. I have to say this sort of thing. Right. That's, yeah, yeah that's really good. I like that. Cool. Well, is there anything else that you would like to uh, share with our listeners uh, before we close? Anything on your heart? Um, if you want to share about uh, where they can get a hold of you or, or find out more about you. Upcoming music? Upcoming, yeah, upcoming albums or... Uh, well, what I'm working on right now, I've, I, I wrote a, uh, a rendition, I guess you could call it, of Isaiah 53 during the pandemic. And I, I'm heading into the studio on Monday to start recording that. Isaiah 53 is the passage that, um, that prophesies the, uh, the crucifixion of, of Jesus. Right. He was wounded because of our sins, the suffering servant. And so um, I, I tripped a couple of years ago on this song Zion that I just talked about, and it opened up a door of ministries of ministry to the Jewish people. And I just have an expanding heart to uh, the people that 
that are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm. the recipients of the promises that we read about in Genesis 12 through 17 and following even, um, that God has not turned his back on his people. Romans mm. 11, Paul says that. Has God rejected his people? By no means. The right. promises of, are irrevocable. The promises of God are irrevocable. So I believe that God has a special, uh, the, the Jewish people have a special place in the heart of God. God's not finished with them yet. Um, some of my dear, dear friends are Messianic Jews. They're Jewish people who have followed the Messiah, Yeshua. We pronounce right. his name Jesus. Yeah, They say Yeshua. And so um, the purpose of this song is to is to basically reference and only reference Isaiah 53 in such a way that it so obviously sounds like I wrote a song about Jesus. Oh, that sounds awesome. I love it. Actually, awesome. I love it. But it's actually yeah. from their scriptures. It's the same thing wow. I did with Zion. Every single, every single verse referenced in Zion is, is a direct reference from the Old Testament um, or the Tanakh. Um, and so I, I'm passionate about that. I'm excited about getting into the studio there. And, and as far as um, like my social media, not too many Aaron Schusts in the world. So I, I got the Aaron Schust on Instagram and Aaron Schust on Facebook. And, but I'm trying this year to, to spend more time like Mary and less, less time like Martha. Um, I talked about the input-output. Um, the, the Martha who was mm. working so hard to prepare, uh, to take care of Jesus and show hospitality. It's a beautiful thing. And Jesus didn't take that away from her, but he also said, but Mary has chosen what is essential. The one thing she's sitting at my feet and that will not be taken away from her. I want to spend more time uh, with Jesus and maybe less time on social media this year, if that's awesome. okay with people. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so, so, so much for coming on with us. It's really an honor and, uh, and I enjoyed it. I know the, I know the other yeah. guys did too. Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate uh, it. I did as well. And I'm done with coffee for the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have another cup at six. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, God bless you guys. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you very much, Aaron. Yeah. Well, this Thank wraps you. up uh, our time for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Caffeinated Christian Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. We also want to let you know that after expenses, we give the proceeds that come our way to like-minded nonprofits in our area. So every time you like and subscribe, you're helping further the kingdom of God in the Buffalo region. Thank you very much for listening and have a terrific day.